Father, we thank you for your joy in this place this morning. Uh, we thank you for the, the cork being popped off of our lives, that uh, your strength flows in us because your joy is in us. And uh, God, we ask that you would continue to speak to us this morning, even as we look at your word. Uh, let it come alive to us in ways that maybe we've never even seen before. I ask, I ask that if it's a verse we've read hundreds of times uh, because we read it in personal study or we've read it so many years at Christmas, uh, let it be fresh to us this morning. Let, it, let us uh, see with the eyes of your spirit. We, we are open to hearing from you, Holy Spirit. Anything that you want to say to us fresh and anew this morning, uh, let your word feed us and nourish us. And we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as, as we're moving through Advent uh, this morning, I wanted to talk a little bit about the life of Mary. And uh, being that we live in such a, a prominent Catholic area, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about Mary's life and who she was before we even get into looking at, at some of the scriptures and the lessons we can learn from her life. So it says, Mary, Mary. Uh, Mary actually figured out how to tap into the joy of the Lord and to let it be her strength. But how many of you know there, there were some difficult times leading up to that? Uh, there are some challenges that we even see in the life of Mary where she could have chosen not to be full of joy, not to trust, not to see God at work. Uh, but since we live in such a heavy Catholic area, here's a, here's a few things I want to clear up up front. Uh, if, if, any of our, if any of our people or you've got those strong Catholic roots, I don't know what will happen if we talk about this. Maybe the hair will stand up on your neck or you'll realize, hey, I, I have new beliefs now that are different. Uh, may I, I'm not trashing Mary either this morning. How many of you know she had something going on? Of, of all the people that God could have picked to, to be the mother of Jesus, to birth him into this world, he chose Mary, not any of the other people. Um, so, but number one, she's not divine. How many of you have ever heard somebody say that to you or preach that? Uh, she was not born without sin. How many of you have ever heard the phrase immaculate conception? Uh, do you know that, that when Catholics use that, they're not talking about Jesus? That, that is a doctrine that they refer to Mary. They, the, the Catholic Church teaches that the Immaculate Conception was that Mary was conceived without sin, and that made her an acceptable vehicle for Jesus to come wow. into the world. Uh, that's not true. Okay, Jesus was the only one who ever yes. lived that was without sin. Uh, Mary was a human being just like the rest of us. She had parents that came together and produced Mary. Right. So she's not divine. She wasn't born without sin. Uh, how about this one? I wrote, she's not God's mother. She was Jesus' mother. That, there, there was a shift at some point. I, I don't remember which, which pope it was, uh, but the tradition that came down through the Catholic Church, how many of you know that they take the pope's word for it? They say he's infallible. What, whatever he says has the same weight as Scripture. Uh, well, one of the popes in history, they shifted. It was a subtle shift, but they went from calling Mary the mother of Jesus to calling her the mother of God. There, there's, there's a little bit of a difference there. Okay, G Jesus took on flesh. He, right. he was completely God and completely man at the same time. It is a mystery. But he chose to set his powers of deity aside and come walk on the earth as a man. The vehicle that he used to enter into this world was Mary. That, that she was the mother of his fleshly body when he became a man. She was not the mother of God. Okay, because sometimes, like those are a couple of the pictures I put up there. You, 
if you go look for Mary, you will find some really weird stuff. You know, and those are some of the most tame. Like I, I saw some pictures. She's she's floating in heaven. She's got this crown. There's rays of light coming out of her. You know, they they elevate her to this position of being the mother of God, and it's it's something that was never meant to be. Uh, in fact, I wrote this note. I think one of the things that... I think there will be Catholic people in heaven because they love Jesus. That's the criteria for, for being in heaven, uh, that you believe that Jesus was the Son of God and that what he did was for you. Uh, I think there will be Catholic people there, and I think one of the things that Jesus will say to them is, please, leave my mom alone. Just <laughs> stop it. You know, she, doesn't, she doesn't want your prayers. She doesn't want your veneration. Just leave her alone. She's my mom. Um, <laughs> I think he might say that. Uh, How about this one? Uh, Mary actually had relations with Joseph and had other children. That is another teaching that that comes in through the Catholic Church. Uh, They call it perpetual virginity. They they say that she was a virgin, she had Jesus, and she remained pure and chaste and didn't have any relations for the rest of her life. I think it's very interesting, uh, Matthew 1, verse 25, when, when it's talking about Joseph and wanting to put Mary away, it says, he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. Well, if you know that implies that he waited, but then they did. That's all the further I'm going to go with that this morning. If, if, if you have more questions about that, ask your parents. Um, <laughs> But also later in Matthew chapter 13 is one of the references. There's several. Uh, the people are looking at Jesus and they say, Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And aren't all his sisters with us? Right. So it was, it was not just one other brother. He had a pretty big family. That was pretty extensive. Uh, the only way that you get around that is uh, there, there are some segments of the Catholic Church they teach like, Oh, well, when it says brothers and sisters... You know, that's a, that's a Greek word that could have meant nephews, nieces, and cousins. But most tradition tells us they were brother, actual brothers and sisters. In fact, James led the church for a while, he, and it says he was Jesus' brother. So uh, those are some things about Mary. Also, she is not standing beside God in heaven praying for us. Um, how many of you know that? I, I know some of you were raised in the Catholic Church, but just for the benefit of those who weren't, and, and please, this is... I don't mean this to be Catholic bashing because there are people in the Catholic Church that love Jesus and want the world to know that he's their savior. Uh, they, they teach a doctrine that Mary is the mediatrix, that, that Jesus was the mediator for our sins and that he ascended to heaven, that he's seated at the right hand of God the Father making intercession for us. But the Catholic doctrine teaches over on God's left side is Mary interceding for us and, and making prayers for us. That's not her role. In fact, uh, 1 Timothy 2.5 says there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Yes. So uh, let's not elevate her to positions that she wasn't ever meant to be in. Uh, how about this? To get to heaven, Mary had to believe that Jesus was the Son of God just like us. There's only one door. There's only way, one way to get into relationship with the Father. She had to go through the same door that we go through. Right. Even though she brought the door into the world, yeah. she still had to believe that Jesus was who he said he was. Uh, Augustine, one of the church fathers, uh, he said this quote, uh, Her relationship as mother 
would not at all have profited Mary if she had not borne Christ more happily in the heart than in the flesh. So she is not divine. She's not making intercession for us. In fact, one of the verses we're going to read this morning in Luke chapter 147, she, she sings her song and she says, glory, glory to God, my Savior. Mary recognized her need for a Savior just like we have a need for a Savior. So... Let's not elevate her to places that she was never meant to be. But also, let's not, I think, too many Protestant denominations err on the other side of they just trash her like, oh, she's worthless. She, right. she was a godly woman that, right. that believed God and, and right. willingly agreed to do what God asked her to do. So there are a lot of lessons that we can learn from Mary's experience because she was like us, because she was a human being interacting with God. So if you want to turn this morning or we'll look at the scriptures on the screen, we're going to look at Luke chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 26. Uh, Some of you may have been reading this already because we're in the Advent season. Uh, But it says, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. So first off, we see Mary had been pledged, or another word you'll hear is betrothed, to Joseph. That was actually a legal contract that they entered into. So uh, the way Jewish custom worked, and this is, this is the church of TMI, so I'm, I'm constantly weighing how much to talk about in my mind. Um, most Jewish girls, when they began to menstruate, was the time when they said, oh, you're old enough to be married now. But what they did was they made a contract. So so if I had a daughter and I said, okay, I'm going to marry my daughter off to Chris now, we would enter into a legal contract, if you weren't married already. (laughs) Uh, We would, (laughs) and yeah, most likely Mary was somewhere between 12 and 16 years old probably around 13, 14, somewhere in that age range. But we would make a contract and we would say, okay, we're betrothed. Uh, You are basically married now, except in the aspect of having relations. Like like legally, contractually, you're bound to this. Uh, My daughter may stay living with me for another year while you're preparing a place. Uh, That was part of Jewish tradition is the husband would go and build a home for like, Kind of like Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Uh, that, that was part of the, the tradition. They would build a home. And then after that year, the, the girl would go enter into his roof. So Joseph had a legal contract. He had not known her yet in, in the, the reproductive sense. But they had a contract. For all intents and purposes, they were married. So for her to turn up pregnant, think about if you were engaged and your fiancé turned up one day and was like, Hey, I've got some news. I'm pregnant. You can get the picture of how Joseph was probably feeling, whether it was betrayal or, or, you know, this. It was it was hard enough for Joseph that God had to send an angel to talk to him to say, hey, you know, your plan, set that aside and take her home with you. What's what's here is okay. So Mary was betrothed to Joseph. She was most likely somewhere around 13. Uh, She was still young enough to have childlike faith, though. Because I think it's pretty amazing. The angel turns up. And what happens when most angels turn up? Don't be afraid. They, people are like falling on the ground. Like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm terrified. We just read, Jonathan read the verse this morning. The shepherds were 
terrified. And, you know, so here's grown men that have fought off sheep and bear and lions, and, and they protected. No, they haven't fought off the sheep. They fought off bears and lions. You know, those, those horrifying sheep with the fangs. Uh, they protected the sheep, but they, shot, they fought off bears and lions. Here, here they are. They're, they're grown men that aren't afraid of anything. And when angels appear, it says they're terrified. You know, like I'm shaking in my boots. You know, I'm not going to say that. But they are afraid. But Mary, the angel shows up to Mary, and it doesn't say she was afraid at his appearing. It says she was troubled at his words. I thought that was very interesting. It's, so it's like there's this childlike faith of like, Oh, it's an angel. That makes sense. Yeah, I could see an angel come. I'm not going to be afraid of it. How many of you know the, the reason that most adults in, the, in, this, in our Western society don't believe in the supernatural or the angelic is because we've taught it out of them? You know, when, this, is, this is not biblical scripture, but my personal opinion is I think babies can see. I, I think, you know, when, you're, when your baby's like smiling and laughing, looking off at the corner of the, the wall in the nursery, I think they're seeing. And I think over the course of growing up into an adult, we, we teach that out of them. Like, like, and both the whole supernatural realm. What do we tell our kids when they come and say, hey, there's, there's a monster in my bedroom? Right. Oh, that's not real. Just go back to bed. Get over it. How about what if instead of telling them it wasn't real, we actually said, oh, you know, those, those things, even if they are real, you have authority. Right. You have Jesus living inside of you. Right. you. You can set up in your bed and say, I take authority over you yeah. in the name of Jesus, and that monster has to flee. That's right. So I think part of Mary's deal was she was still young enough that I, I have childlike faith. The angel shows up, but his greeting is kind of troubling me. What's, what are you talking about? His words, the word trouble literally means to be agitated or disturbed. Yeah, I'm mulling this over this. What's going on? Why is he talking to me like that? Why would he call me favored? You know, why would he, he say that to me? Um, Mary was living at a time when they weren't entirely sure that the Lord favored them or was with them. Right. The, the Jewish people, uh, there was a famine of the voice of the Lord in the land. You know, they, they had not since Malachi had they heard somebody that spoke with the authority of a prophet giving the word of the Lord to the people. Now, maybe, you know, 400 years of not hearing the word of the Lord would make you begin to be a little suspicious of, are you really still with us? Are, are we really still your people? Do you favor us? And then, and then all of a sudden, an angel shows up from God and says, you are favored. The Lord is with you. That'd be a little agitating, a little troubling. You'd, you'd start to wonder, what are you talking about? Uh, the Romans were ruling with b- brutality. You know, make no mistake about it. It wasn't peaches and, and roses for the Jews. It was brutal to be alive at that time living under Roman rule. Uh, I, I almost picture it like, you know, being troubled at the words. The angel shows up, says, you're favored and the Lord's with you. And Mary's kind of like looking around at her circumstances saying, favored? You've got to be kidding me. If this is what favor looks like, I don't want any of it. Could, could I exchange it for something else besides favor then? There, there was something about your circumstances that you would be troubled at this type of greetings. Uh, but we all know that it was true. What, what did we read last week with the, the angels came and told the shepherds? Peace on earth, goodwill toward men, upon whom his favor rests. Even before they were saved, the favor of God was upon mankind. And he sent Jesus to be upon this earth. So Mary was troubled at his words. Uh, 
I'm going to tell you this morning that God sent Gabriel to deliver the same message to Mary that he has for you this morning. You are highly favored and the Lord is with you. And you can be sitting there just like Mary looking around saying, well, he must not know my circumstances. How, how could he? I don't I don't really feel God or see him moving in my life. You are highly favored and the Lord is with you. Say that to your neighbor. You're highly favored and the Lord is with you. Say, say it to your other neighbor just to see how that rolls off your tongue. You are highly favored and the Lord is with you. You know, some, sometimes even hearing the word of the Lord in that way causes us to be troubled or agitated. We, we get so caught up in our circumstances, we start thinking, well, I'm too young to do anything for God. Or maybe I'm too old or I'm too, too fat, I'm too skinny, I'm, not, I'm uneducated, I have too much schooling, I can't relate to people. We, we eliminate ourselves and we say, oh, well, how could he possibly be with me and have his favor on me? You know, you don't know what I've done. It's another one we use to disqualify ourselves. You know, you, Pastor, you're telling me his favor's on me, but you don't know the skeletons in my closet. You're highly favored, Amen. and the Lord is with you. Amen. He may want to deal with some of those skeletons and get them out of your closet, yeah. but you are highly favored, yeah. and the Lord is with you. Amen. You know, we could be sitting there maybe like Mary thinking, we haven't heard his voice. I don't see his hand moving in my circumstances. You're highly favored and the Lord is with you. Let's start elevating the truth of God's word above what we're seeing and experiencing. Or or I wonder this sometimes if Mary was suspicious. If you ever somebody's being nice to you, what's one of the first things you think in your head? Hey, what do you want? <laughs> Silas, this is this is what happens at our house. Silas comes up, Dad, I love you. <laughs> You're my favorite dad in the whole world. There's there's no other dad like you. What's the first thing that goes off in my mind? There's like this red flag starts waving. Where's my wallet? Where's my phone? Where's my keys? Uh, what do you want? I don't want anything, Dad. I just want you to know I love you. He's coming with an agenda. And, and I almost... There could have been a little bit of that floating in the back of Mary's mind. Well, that's a really cool word from the angel, from the presence of the Lord. But what do you want? <laughs> you... For you to be telling me that the favor of God's on me and he's with me, you must want something big. You know, so what's coming next? So she was troubled, but God is still saying, you're highly favored and the Lord is with you. So let's look at what happened. The angel said to her in verse 30, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. So he, he's got to reassure her a little bit. You have found favor. You know, you don't have to be afraid to do anything that God's put his favor upon you to do. There, there ought to be some part of our faith walk that we just say, okay, I know I'm walking in the favor of God. I see it lining up in my life. I see these doors opening, or I've, I've heard this word from the Lord. You know, last time the prophet came and laid his hands on me and said, this is what's going to happen. I know he's called me to do it. I need to start having some confidence. God, you've, you've favored me to do this. I don't need to be afraid to step out in it. When you recognize the voice of God speaking to you, please don't be worried or afraid about what he's going to ask. How many of you know he has better plans for us than we have for ourselves? All, all the time. That's not like 90% true, not 95% true. Every single time he has better plans for us than we have for ourselves even. So when you know it's God speaking, don't ever get in that place of, oh, what's he going to ask me to do? Do you ever meet anybody like that? I used, I've met a couple people like that. You know, if, if I 
tell God I'm willing to do anything, He's going to send me to Africa. He's going to, he's going to ask me to sell all my possessions and go live in a hut in the dirt. So? <laughs> do, you not, do you not trust God enough that even if that's what He asked, although, although He has good plans for you to prosper you, not to harm you, give you a hope and a future, do you trust God enough that even if He would ask you that, that He'd be there with you in the middle of the dirt in the hut in Africa? Come on, we've we got to stop fearing the voice of the Lord and say, God, here I am, your, your servant's listening, just like Samuel. Lord, your servant's listening. Speak to me. I'll, I'll do it, whatever you're saying. Yes, 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 yes. It's good to say yes, because his plan's always better. But you know what? I almost, I almost am afraid to say this in church, because... You know, as, as the pastor, you really want people to volunteer and to do things and to get involved. Uh, you know what? It's good to say yes, but there's no less favor on you if you say no. He will, he will get it accomplished. He may have somebody else take your place and do it. He, he may have somebody, just like he told Esther, he had Mordecai come and say, you were born for such a time as this, but if you don't do it, God will surely raise up another to deliver his people. It's always better to say yes and get with his program. But even if you've said no to something that he's asked you in the past, his favor's on you and he's with you. How do I know that? Because he promised never to leave us or forsake us. Because he told all mankind his favor was upon them when he sent Jesus to the earth. I hope that frees somebody up this morning. Quit. Sometimes we beat ourselves up over the last time we said no. Man, how, how could God ever ask me to do anything again? I said no. I, God was nudging me to go across the street and share the gospel with the old man that lives across the street, and I didn't do it, and he died. <gasps> I should never do anything again for the Lord. I should never even listen for his voice because I said no, and it was such a failure. Does that make sense? Okay, stop it. You, you, <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting some mileage out of that one recently, apparently. Um, stop it. Stop beating yourself up. You, you may need to repent. You may need to say, God, I'm, I really am sorry. I regret that I didn't value what you were saying to me enough to do it before. But I, I love your voice. Please keep speaking to me. I, I want you to continue to tell me what to do. He, yeah, Scripture tells us he knows that we're only dust. He, he knows that we're broken vessels. And what's he do? He works with us anyway. He, 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 he has such an amazing plan for all of eternity wrapped up that he even factors in, hey, I know sometimes you're going to say no and not do the program that I have planned out for you, but I'll take care of it. I'm still going to work my will in the end. Isn't that an amazing God? But it is better to say yes. So that, there, there it is. This morning, be ruthless at rooting the nose out of your life. When, when God begins to speak, if, if no starts to well up, say, no, we're not going to go there. I'm just, in fact, God, yes. Whatever you're going to ask, I'll just say yes up front. <laughs> Living on the edge. <laughs> uh, let's look further. Verse 31 in Luke chapter 1. Uh, the angel tells her his message now. He says, you will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. 
How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? How about that? Mary responds pretty much the exact same way we would by focusing on her own situation. (laughs) The angel came. He just talked about the throne of David being restored, the son of God being birthed into the world, a kingdom that will never end and be established. And Mary, all she's thinking is, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. You said I'm going to have a baby. How, how does that work? Because I'm a virgin. I, you know, it's almost like, excuse me, uh, Mr. Gabriel, messenger from the throne room of God. I, I know being an angel, you may not understand the logistics of human reproduction, but I am a virgin. How is that going to happen? And if you don't know what virgin is, ask your parents later. That's the first thing that pops in your mind. Here's this fantastic message of this glorious event that's going to happen. God himself, Emmanuel, being manifested, made flesh to walk among us. The throne of David being restored. His kingdom's going to increase and never end. And all she says is, how am I going to have a baby? That, that makes no sense to me at all. Sometimes we act that way when, when we hear the voice of God. You ever, you ever get in that spot God comes and tells you something that's going to happen or something he wants you to do and the, all you can think of is, I need to remind you of all the limitations I have. <laughs> Moses, I, I want you to deliver my people. But, 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 but God, I, I stutter. I, I'm not a, I can't speak to those people. They won't listen to me. They'll, they'll throw me out. How many of you know that's just human nature? We, 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 we jump straight to the list of our limitations instead of hearing what God's wanting us to do and say. You know, Mary's probably thinking, this isn't exactly how I had my life planned out. You know, whether, whether or not she was down with the whole being married at 13 thing, you know, either way, she probably had a little bit of a vision of what was going to happen. I'm going to marry this guy. He's building us a nice house. We're going to have a, a job. He's, he's whatever he's going to do. He's good with his hands. He's a carpenter. This is awesome. Hey, God, angel, Gabriel, this doesn't fit with the plan. What if he puts me out? I've got to go home. How is anybody going to believe me? Did you ever, did you ever, did you ever meet any girls that got pregnant out of wedlock in high school? Sure. Any, any of them ever tried to give you the well? It's the the, the second uh, virgin birth. Uh, you know, it's how's anybody going to believe that story? All these thoughts could have been running through Mary's mind. When when we hear God's voice, when He speaks to us, how we respond to Him reveals what we've been focused on. You know, if, if I've been looking at God, where you're at work, what you're doing, the fact that you're able to do anything, or have I only been so caught up in, here's my circumstances. Here's the limitations I have. This is how hard life is. You don't understand how mean the boss is at work. You want me to do what, God? I, I don't even have a passport. How am I going to fly anywhere? We start throwing out all these limitations because it's what we've been focused on instead of saying, yes, God, that sounds like a good plan that you've come up with. I mean, you ever you ever think God would like to hear that more? God, your plan sounds awesome. Man, here's the deal, though. I don't. God doesn't mind those questions, even, especially if we are open to hearing Him give an answer to it. You know, Mary asking Him. You know, it was okay for her to say, "How's that going to happen?" Because I'm only a virgin. He's God is well able to take those questions. He, he, you know, I'd rather, I, I'd love to say that we're all perfect and holy spiritual, that every time God speaks to us, you know, we don't look at our circumstances at all. And we just say, yes, Lord, we're, we're your number one fan, spiritual, let's do it. But we all do that. God, how could I do this? 
And he's okay with you asking that question as long as you are really open to hearing him answer it. Because what does he go on? The angel goes on to answer her. In verse 35, the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing, everybody say nothing. Nothing Nothing is impossible with God. How about the angel? She asked that question legitimately. How can this be? I'm only a virgin. And the angel answers her. He reminds her that God's able to do anything. And in fact, the angel even tells her God's already at work in your family. Your, your, your cousin Elizabeth, she's already with child. She's going to have a baby. That's pretty amazing that he will remind you, hey, here's where God's already at work in your circumstances. He's already doing something stirring in your family. Yeah, the angel tells her the end result before the baby's even conceived. I mean, that's kind of how prophecy works in our lives sometimes. God, God will say the end result before we've even had a seed of it germinate in our lives. You know, it's, uh, sometimes prophecy is simply God speaks and it confirms most of what you're already feeling. Like, wow, that's awesome, God, you heard me. But there are times when prophecy comes and it's like, boom, here's what God says. And you're like, whoa, I hadn't even thought about that. You know, how's that going to work, God? But then you begin to see it form and take place. You begin to see his stirrings in your family. And now many of you know, I think it's hilarious. The angel doesn't give her a lot of detail about how it's going to work. He tells her, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. If you heard that, wouldn't any of us like, uh, what's that mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, you know, how's that work exactly? Am I, am, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes we don't get tons of detail of how it's going to work. When God comes and gives us a word and says, I want you to do this for me. He, he gives you some general outlines and says, hey, just, just get with the program. It's going to be good. He literally says the power of God will overshadow you. Uh, that is the word dunamis. The dunamis of God will envelop you like a cloud. That's, that's literally what that means. The power of God will come and surround you. I don't think she really knew what it would look or feel like, but it was going to be cool. You know, she's like, okay, the angel said that's how it works. I'll trust it. Uh, that word overshadow, you can go back and look this up later. This wasn't preaching. This was a complete aside. Uh, but overshadow, same Greek word that was used on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus began to glow. Same Greek word, overshadow, that was used when Peter walked the streets in his shadow healed people the power the dunamis of god surrounding you like a cloud so whatever that looked or felt like to mary it was the holy spirit came and enveloped her in such a way that something was birthed and created inside of her what that what that speaks to me is we don't have to understand the details all the time to trust the power of the holy spirit working in our lives we just need to know that he's able to accomplish it If we're willing to see it, he'll show us where he's already at work in our families. And how about this? I said this a couple weeks ago. If you don't see Jesus working in your life, if you don't see him working in your family, you need to go back and look harder. Because I know he's there. I know he never left you. He never has forsaken you. If you don't see him at work, you need to go back with fresh eyes and say, Lord, show me. I, I must have missed something, God. Show me where you're at work because I, I know you are at work on my behalf. 
to accomplish things in my life that are good for me. Show me so I can come into agreement with it. So, so I can stop having this negative confession of God's not here. He's abandoned me. Look how awful my family is. Look how bad my circumstances are. I need to change what I'm thinking, saying, but I need to see where you're working to come into agreement with it, God. So how does Mary answer him? Verse 38. She says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Mary goes back to her identity. I am the Lord's servant. I'm yours, Lord. Same way, same way we did it this morning. We, we gave him everything. I am yours. All that I am, I place into your hands. I trust you, Lord. Mary went back to that place. I'm yours, Lord. Whatever you need me to do, I'm available. When we know we're his, it should stir us to say yes. That's why it's so important to know your identity, to know who you are, to know that you're his, that you're valuable, because it helps you say yes. I, you know, honestly, I, I joke with you guys and I say, hey, who wants to do this? Raise your hands. And I say, oh, you've said yes in advance. You've got to do it now. You know, we could do that all day long, but if it's not in your heart, it doesn't matter. You're just, you're just confessing it with your mouth. It's empty words. But if we know we're his, there's something that stirs within us. Yes, yes is my first response. We need to let our yes be louder than any excuse, any circumstance or limitation. How could this be? I'm a virgin. My yes is going to be louder than the physical impossibility of what you're asking me to do, God. Even after it says the angel left her. And I thought this was a good lesson for us. Even after the word, the messenger leaves, whoever gave us the word of the Lord or however we receive it, even after that moment goes, even after the messenger leaves, we still need to hold on to the word that we've been given. You know, I don't think Mary said, oh, now, what did he say? He said something about shadows and power and the most high. Well, I, I can't remember. I should have written some of that down. We need to hold on to what was spoken over our lives. And yes, I, I will say that in the modern context, when you receive a prophecy, it's good to write it down. Because there, you will come a time when you're in the future saying, oh, now, what did that prophet say? He said, I was... Did he say I was supposed to go to the nations or did he say I was supposed to go to Walmart? I, I can't remember now. You Write those things down. Hold on to them and rehearse them in your life. Begin to pray them to the Lord. You said this, God. I'm believing your promises to come to pass. And I thought it was funny, too. It doesn't say anything. It just says the angel left her. It doesn't say anything about her not being troubled anymore. Do you know, you still might be anxious even after you get a word from the Lord. You, you still might be troubled. Like, how is this going to happen? Lord, I'm, I don't know if this made my situation better. <laughs> you know, this is, this is something that I, is impossible. I can't see it in the natural. Now I've, I've got all this other stuff stirring on me. How should we respond if we're in that spot? I, I heard the word of the Lord and all it did was make me anxious. How about this? Pam and I have been reading this devotional about Advent. And we saw this phrase the other day. It says, the remedy for anxiety is to adore Christ. We need to turn our hearts to worship anytime, whether you've gotten the word of the Lord or not, if, whatever it is, if anxiety is creeping in there, I was troubled by those words. God's asked me to do this, whatever it is. The remedy for anxiety is to adore him. If you look uh, a few verses after Mary's encounter with the angel, she actually goes for some reinforcement to see the family member in whose life God is already moving. You know, sometimes we need to do that. If, yeah. if, if we realize, oh, God's already at work in my family. I need to go get with them and, and begin to testify, begin to encourage one another, begin to say, oh, you've already, 
How many, how many of you know for the angel to come and say, the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you and you're going to have a baby now, it was pretty good for her to be able to go to somebody and say, hey, you got a prophecy that even though you were old and, and barren and past your years, that you were going to conceive. Did that really happen? And Elizabeth, you know, she didn't even wait for her to get there. As soon as Mary says hi, the baby starts leaping in her womb. You know, there is encouragement. You can go to another family member, somebody sitting around you in church, and you can begin to say, hey, I got this word from God. Where have you seen the word of the Lord already come to pass in your life? How can, you, how can we encourage one another that we, we stir ourselves with thoughts of God is faithful. He is able to do these things. We need to be looking for where God's already at work in the family and come together. So Mary does that. She goes to see where God's already been working. When she's greeted, what's the first thing Mary does? She begins to worship. In verse 46, it says, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Literally, literally, my spirit is jumping for joy. There's, a, there's excessive joy happening in my spirit because of God. It says he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. He knows we're just dust. He knows that, that we can't do anything without him and he still works for us. Uh, from now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. My, my personal opinion is this is when Mary's anxiety left. When she began to worship, when, when Elizabeth confirmed, yes, God's at work in my life. He's at work in your life, too. Something stirred within her that her thought was to worship. And as she began to worship, she began to rehearse the testimonies of God. How many times in that verse does it say, He has? What has God already done that we need to go back as we worship and begin to rehearse those things? As you rehearse what He has done, how many of you know that sets the stage for Him to show up and do it again? Anytime we begin to worship, that needs to be part of our worship to God is what He's done. That thankfulness, that stirring, God, you have already done this. I believe that you can do it again and more. In essence, I think Mary's at that point saying, I'm no longer worried about what people think, what my circumstances are. I see that God is all in all. As she begins to worship, that anxiety evaporates. Same thing with us. Where, where have we heard the word of the Lord that, you know, we've, we've forgotten it, we've let it slip away, we get too caught up in our circumstances rather than what God has spoken? Where, where have we given the things going on around us more weight than what He said in His book? Where do we need to come to a place where we just stop and worship Him? Where we just adore Him and the anxiety dissipates? And we get restored in our strength, in our vision, in our clarity for God. You really can do what you've said you're going to do in my life. Let's go ahead and stand this morning. Wherever you are this morning, I want you to think in your mind and think about what is the last thing that you know God's spoken to you. Sometimes that's a good anchor point when we get tossed about and we're starting to get confused or worried. What is the last thing you said that I know for sure, God? Let's start there.
And then let's just begin to worship Him, to adore Him. Or maybe you're, you're sitting there thinking, I'm, I'm in a situation right now where I'm, just, I'm full of anxiety. I don't know how there could be a breakthrough in my life because things are so bad. Maybe I need to stop at that point and just worship Him. Just begin to adore Him. God, I'm faced with situations that look impossible. I've got, I've got more bills than money coming in this month. Maybe you just need to stop and worship Him. God, I've got Christmas coming up and I'm alone. My, my family doesn't even talk to each other. God, how could restoration be possible when it's this broken? Maybe you just need to stop and to worship Him. God, I've got pain in my body. I'm, I'm getting old and things are breaking down, God. How could I possibly do anything that you've asked me to do when it hurts this bad? Maybe we just need to stop and to adore Him, to worship Him this morning. up your voice to him. You might not be the best singer in the world, but you can open your mouth and just begin to rejoice in him. You alone, you alone are worthy. We give you the glory, Lord. Doesn't that feel good? Lord, I thank you that even as we adore you, even as we worship you, anxiety melts away. The limitations of our circumstances melt away. As we adore you, Lord, we stir ourselves with your voice in our lives. The things that you've spoken to us, the things that we've read already in your word, your voice that resonates in our ears. We hold on to it this morning, Lord. God, I thank you that even as we leave this place, this is something we can carry with us. That this is not just a moment 
where, oh, things were really good in church for a couple minutes there because we sang. And now I'm back out in the world and it's all still here. It's not just a moment. This is a lifestyle. This is an attitude. This is an atmosphere that we carry with us. The glory of the Lord surrounding us. Your favor upon us. Your power, the dunamis overshadowing us. The power of God that envelops us. Even as Peter walked down the street and your presence was so thick around him that sick people were healed and raised up. Crippled people walked. Blind eyes were open. I thank you that that is the power that you envelop us with. That your presence surrounds us like a shield, Lord God. That you are God with us. That you come in such a way and speak to us that it burns up every concern, every care, every worry, every limitation that we tried to put on what you want to accomplish in our lives. God, I declare once more in the power of the name of Jesus and by the Holy Spirit that every person in this room is highly favored. And that the Lord is with us. I declare it now. God, let it be seen in our lives. Even as we leave this place, that your favor is on us. That your presence is with us. Every single place that we go. Every person we talk to. Let your life be seen in our life. God, I give you glory right now. That's a great phrase. God, I give you glory right now. Lord, let us remember that phrase in the middle of these circumstances. When we're out walking in the world, let us remember, I can stop and say, Lord, I give you glory right now. Hmm. Stir us with that, Lord. Stir us with that reminder even this week. Thank you that your presence is upon us. Your favor is on us. Your face shines upon us. Your countenance, it says, radiates upon us. You glow upon us, Lord. And I thank you for that. Just continue to let it be seen in our lives. We give you glory, honor, and praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Before I uh, dismiss you this morning, I'm going to remind you that our, our missions team that went to Baltimore will be available at the front for prayer.